There it is. Alright, moving on. Did the microphone drink, bitch? I've been a sports fan my entire life because all of my friends are horrible people. Yes, Cam had a very bad game. Can we get that on tape? Get that overrated piece of crap out of this conversation. <laughs> are you sure you want this on tape? That's what I was transitioning to. Big time Timmy Jim, Chris Sale, Bartolo Cologne. A lot of tears and a lot of beers. I can't argue with anything you say. Hello and welcome to another episode of Late Night Shots. Topher, Xander, and Lando Calrissian are here. What's happening? Not with that shirt on. <laughs> You're ready, baby, Deshaun. <laughs> oh, you wish. I do. Oh. You're getting <laughs> Derek Carr. No. Oh. Teddy Bridgewater? No, wait. He's already there. No, no, no. Mariota, that's what I was thinking. Oh. <laughs> Probably better than Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> it's probably pretty close. Yeah, he's probably better than Teddy Bridgewater. Don't look yeah. around to your left. I'd say they're about the same. All right. We'll save that for another time. But we're actually going to talk about some golf for the mulligan. For once, you know, mulligan golf should probably do it once in a while, right? That's clever. Ooh, all right. <laughs> so, normally, it's the most exciting tournament fan-wise, in golf, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, because they have like almost 200,000 people per day, over 700,000 people total through four days. But because of COVID, they had 8,000 people a day, 32,000 overall. Not near as exciting. It's better than the NFL, God. Yeah. But I think it would have to be in like one of the top three to five places I would ever want to go is the 16th hole at the Waste Management. Are you familiar with it, Alex? Nope. It's the par three. Is it like Happy Gilmore? Dude, it's it's like they built a stadium around it. So they fit 16,000 people, I think, is what it is. Yep. They sack 16,000 people around this par three. And it's like three levels, and just people are going crazy all the time. Hmm. I have to go look at that. The players enjoy it. Was it last year, Fino uh, wore the Kobe jersey on the hole? Yep. And guys just have fun with it. Uh, Han, he was in contention this year. A couple years ago, after a Gangnam Style got big, he made a putt and started doing the dance off the green. <laughs> but there wasn't that many fans there this year, which is good because they didn't get to see, once again, Xander Shoffley fall apart. Sorry, Alex. It's so mean. Well, I It'd wouldn't have to nice be mean to, to him. If he wouldn't. <laughs> so it is in the last... Three years, he's got two wins and like 13 second place finishes. That's not good. Sure it is. Number two. <laughs> Number two. Oh. So he falls apart. Just anybody who's at the top of the leaderboard falls apart. Uh, Han was the other one. He went six under through 10 to take the lead by like two strokes, three strokes maybe. And then. Had like three bogeys over the next four holes. Sat on a cactus. Did you see that part? I didn't see that part. <laughs> he pulled his drive left on a par five, and he had to like saddle up on a cactus. Ugh. And the only reason it didn't really get him is because it poked his yardage book instead that was in his back pocket instead of him. So he got lucky there. So he stunk it up. The one guy who didn't stink it up was Kepka, who was plus... 4,000 plus 4,500 going into Sunday to win the tournament. So if you were feeling lucky, you could put some money on him instead of putting it on Dogecoin or something. Or 
betting against the Chiefs. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and so Kepka storms back on 17 short par four. It's like 310 yards short for those guys. I think Rory almost got there with a three wood. Shouldn't surprise anybody. Rory hits it a mile. Shambo probably could have got there with like a five iron. But then he would have eat two protein shakes on the way. So, But Kepka's short of the green. Chips him for eagle. Takes the lead. And he was a couple groups ahead of Alex's boy Xander. Or Xander's boy Xander, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so Shoffley bogeys or birdies 15. Birdie's 16, and Kepka is done at this point, I think. He is one shot back with two holes left. And this short par four that a lot of guys have been close and been birdying, like one of the easiest holes on the course. Shoffley hooks his drive into the water, just ending his tournament. And what makes it worse for him is he birdied the 18th to get second by a stroke. So all he had to do was par that 17th hole in order to force the playoff. He was going for the win. Yeah. Never lay up. Always go for it. So he came into the day at 18 under, and he finished the day at 18 under. So he shot par. No boy, no. Not good. Kepka, on the other hand, shot 65, so he was six under for the day. Yeah, Spieth fell apart. He shot one over. Could come back I started to write about your story and your journey here in this lead-in. Like and I realized it would be tournaments now. It's been a long time. Which is crazy because he still has like the most wins, age 27 and under. And he hasn't won four years. It would be impossible for me to do justice to it. So I guess I would you just ask you which one of what us you want people to weekend? understand <laughs> about the journey that led you to this Let's week go. and this event. <laughs> what would be most important to understand about you? Big racket? Yes. I mean, about me, I mean, it's just, it took a village, a man. It took so many people in my life to get me to this point and yeah. to just get me where I'm I am today. And it, it was it was all of love. It was it's that one where you hit your driver as far as you can and then use pitching wedge no matter how far out you are. Oh, yeah. that Okay, now I know what you're yeah, talking about. Okay, good. That was Alex's strategy you know, for golf. And what I want people to know is just like, you know, if 20, we all come together and support each other in this world. and Most souls I could do it. 350 yards, driver wedge. 530 yards, driver wedge. Alex, you are 195 yards out. Doesn't matter. Wedge. You want to try and blade it there? Just hit your foreiron. Don't want to. All right. Like What's fun in our role right now that I'm a product of, oh. of self-love and, and, anyway, and so many Mulligan people have poured love into to me. And, and a, it's been a village and that Smith really got me to where I am today. No matter if, the, if it was a black person or a white person or a woman or a man, it was just everybody pouring their love into me and getting me to the point I am today. This was supposed to happen at Torrey Pines. I've dealt with it. I got a positive diagnosis and I'm like, I have no idea how this happened, but thankfully I didn't get sick. You get this positive mm, diagnosis yeah, for so COVID the week you're supposed to play at Torrey Pines. When that later. opportunity evaporated, in that moment, in week, what, you, what did you think? That same deal on the weekend. It's a great deal. I was devastated, man. I mean, because you don't get these opportunities to play on the PGA Tour very often. Right, well, and um, especially coming from where I come from, man, good. like, you know, no, I was, you know, I didn't think I was going to get another opportunity. Being a brand ambassador for Farmers was, you know, was an absolutely life-changing And be like, yo, Mike Remmers? My grammar is what the hell. 
experience. So, you know, Jeff Daly, uh, the CEO of Farmers, has just been amazing to Willie and I. And, and, um, but just thought that Mahomes would be able to do enough. He might have if his receivers could catch the ball. I was devastated. You know, I called Chris Reimer, yeah. who's who's my PR manager, then, who's been doing a lot of things. I, don't, great. I think Mahomes could have had a perfect game, and they still lose. Things for me in my life, and I literally just cried on the phone for like an hour. And I wow. called Jen Arger, who wanted to, they could have scored more than thirty-one points. Who who got me started in golf? Who was at Tory? Who flew out there and surprised so me Bucks out there? Won Thirty-one and, to nine, and a couple things stand about stand out about that. So 10 Super Bowl appearances for Brady. I was literally devastated. Biggest I mean, I didn't know what far. was next for Biggest me, you know, and points. then I get a call from my right? the Rams Rams game. Yeah. Cuz a lot of them come down to a field, to yeah. a field goal. The the second yeah, second Rams Patriots game. Yeah. My brother and my mom's being rushed to the hospital, she can't breathe with COVID. Uh, my grandmother being uh, taken to yeah, not with the greatest show on turf. The yeah. hospital with blood clocks in her lungs, and, and so it was just like all of this, you know, everything all happened at once. It happened so fast, but you know, I'm a firm believer in Christ. I'm a, I'm a spiritual person, and I'm and, like and I'm always, 50, you know, it's always something that God has something bigger games? for me. It was it was you know, of course, I wanted to tee it up at Tory plus a couple playoffs. That sounds about right. He never lost though. By double digits. And they get smoked. But like Alex said, they could not catch the ball. I don't know what happened with their receivers. No, I don't know. Like, who is the best and tight end Being a brand ambassador for Farmers, I wanted to represent Farmers in a, in a great way. Kelsey. But yeah, when I got that positive dropped test. like three or four super easy passes. Kelsey. I mean, granted, Tyreek Hill did too. Yeah. But he had one right in the face. <laughs> That, who was the other one that had in the face? Williams. Williams. I, yeah. There were so many people Williams. around me. I mean, I can't tell you how much that support the, that, that I got from where you look like a shortstop. Yeah. yeah. Testing positive so, from COVID. You know, well, I, I got so much support, you know, and, and so many people reached out to me on touchdown on Instagram like and in Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, my family really appreciate that. You know, that went a long way. The prayers from the one where he spins around in a circle and just chucks it like 40 yards on a dime to the corner of the end zone. My mom and my grandmother. Where the guy tried to catch um, him one-handed. It was it, it was just amazing to see what you know the can world like can. The other one, just because it's a cool picture. I'm gonna yeah. say none because both were incomplete. I'm I know. But I'm saying which one do you like more? What like, the world can do caught, when we just all come was, together. And I'm a product kind of, of that. That's just falling. It's amazing to see. Slings it sidearm, thirty some yards. Yeah. And hits the guy in the face. <laughs> in the face. It would have been a touchdown on fourth uh, down. Yep. But he that drops was the Williams tip. one, wasn't it? Andy yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which one was more impressive to you guys? The falling forward or the spinning around in a circle and throwing it? Because they're both impressive. I think the falling forward, just because that's a lot of arm strength to zip it in there. Yeah. What do you think, Landon? I'm still saying none. I know, I'm <laughs> Wait, not, not playing even... along with it. Wow. But... You don't deserve to shoot me once again. You lose it. He's done. I told you, I was texting you before the podcast last week, what I thought the biggest key of the game was, and a lot of people thought that even with him, even with the offensive line problems and with the Chiefs not being as deep, Mahomes is still... If you're uh, 
if you've got Mike Rimmers as your starting tackle in the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right, there we go. Yeah. Sorry, a little technical difficulty in the midst of that. Yeah, it, you figure they would be able to game plan for it, but it's the, the backup tackles, guys moving around. It's that Mike Rimmers. Yeah. And then having two essentially speed rushers, right? Like Shaq Barrett, right. who Alex talked about last week, the guy to watch. Right? Isn't that he brought up? Yep. And then JPP, who's undefeated in the playoffs. Did you see that stat? Yeah, I did. I also saw somebody who, which teammate was making fun of him. Oh, you got as many fingers as you do playoff wins or whatever? (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. Or you don't need all your fingers to pass rush or something like that. Yeah. You only need eight. Oh, yeah. It was only, you only need eight fingers to get a sack in the NFL. He's like, I got seven and a half. Yeah. Did you see the stat about how many yards Mahomes ran behind the line of scrimmage? It was something ridiculous, right? 497 yards behind the line of scrimmage. (laughs) And it was either the most ever in a Super Bowl or the most this season in any game. Chances are it was both of those. Yes, it could be both. 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's, That's so insane. That's not counting dropbacks. Nope. That's scrambling Just him out. running. Keep in mind, he's also injured. Yeah. He probably would have had 650 yards if he didn't. Because he's having surgery for his toe on wins today. Yeah. yeah. That's because he ran that much. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see how many passes he had. Why is this not telling me? It's super helpful. Thank you, football reference. Through 49. Okay. So he averaged over 10 yards per run, or per pass, behind the line of scrimmage. Plus it's five rushes for 33 yards. Yeah, which were all in the first quarter and a half. I don't think he ever got past Uh, the line of scrimmage after that. I don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. I mean, they had... It goes back to the if you look at the stats, right? Right after the game, people were talking about the total yards. The Chiefs actually had ten more total yards than the Bucks did. Yeah, and they, they only scored nine points. I don't, I don't know what Reed and the offense was thinking going out there with two tight ends or just chip blocking a guy. I'll tell you what they did. Andy Reid called Ron Rivera and said, <laughs> said all right, we're going to put Mike Rimmers on an island. Who should he block? Yeah. And Ron Rivera said Shaq Barrett. But we also brought that part of it up. Would the edge rushers be quick enough, like happened in the Denver-Carolina game, to mess with Mahomes and keep him behind the line of scrimmage? Like we talked about that last week, right? Yep, and they did. And they did, which that was the thing. Was, are they fast enough to do that? Or is Mahomes too, like, herky-jerky quick to get away from him? They only got to him three times. Three yeah. sacks. But he was, what would you say, 49 attempts? Yeah. He was hurried or hit on, like, 40 attempts? I don't mm-hmm. know if that number's up, but... He was hit double digits. Oh, he's... Um, yeah. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but yeah. 
I thought I remembered seeing at one point it was like 24 of 28 or something like that. Yeah, it was not good. No. And then what also helped was um, Arians knowing that his DNs could get to Mahomes. So he didn't have to blitz. So Devin White just stayed back in like a half spy position. Well, they doubled Kelsey. Yeah. And they doubled Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And then who else do you have to throw the ball to if it's not that you're going to throw it to Sammy Watkins who isn't healthy? Not healthy. Yeah. No, you couldn't. And what they had uh, Tampa played with two safeties on a higher percentage of snap than any other team did in the game this season. Is that what I saw? Yep. Like high 80s? Yep. So going to old school football, two safeties, staying back in that 12, 15-yard range, forcing everything in front of you, which is a great idea when Mahomes has to scramble by the time he gets to that third step. Yeah, if you can get there with four, you don't – Yeah. And especially with Devin White and Levante David, both pretty athletic linebackers, if they're half spying on Mahomes and he scrambles, the close guy takes off from Mahomes, and the other guy just looks for Kelsey and runs after him, knowing that he's trying to come back. Yep. So I think Mahomes had about as good a game as he could have with the situation. Yeah, he didn't have a great game, but... But with all those drops all running, and yeah. running 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage, you can't expect much else from the guy. Nope. You can't. I heard a lot of complaints about the refs in this game. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Were you really? <laughs> yeah. What do so, you think? Uh, that they were kind of one-sided. Oh, no. No. So, so, so at halftime, what was it? 91 yards? 95. 95 to 5 or whatever it was. So that's not... So, I'll agree that it was a bit one-sided, but also, Kansas City was playing a little, like... You know what it reminded me of? They weren't playing smart. You know what it reminded me of? What's that? The Hawks-Steelers Super Bowl game, where if you watch during the regular season, the pass interferences that the Seahawks got called on in that Super Bowl... Or similar to the Chiefs from this Super Bowl. And that's because of the technique that they played with the entire regular season allowed for grabbing. Yeah. And then as soon as they get in the Super Bowl, they don't allow it. Except but, they did all playoffs. The Super Bowl's an entirely no, different you thing. Can't, you can't correct well, that way. See, it's different because you have different officiating crews who play by different ways. So if the head officiant hasn't been on a Chiefs game and he's going to been someone who goes after grabbing or whatever. And he tells, like, usually they tell their crew, like, this is what we're focusing on. Yep. Well, they shouldn't so, focus on anything. They should, you know, just call it. So like, they, they did, called, they did I, call it. I but... do agree in a way <laughs> mm-hmm. that it was a bit one-sided because it seemed like Kansas City could do it and then Tampa would do it and it wouldn't get called. There was a couple that I, the one I didn't think should have been PI was, was it the Evans bomb? It oh, did yeah. look like their feet got caught up when they showed the replay live. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's obviously PI because it looked like he pushed him. No, it's trick. Yeah. And then you see the replay because he was like arguing with it. And it's like, how are you arguing? That looked like PI. Like from the game camera, it looked like he pushed him. And well, then they showed the replay. Remember, the refs are looking at the same thing. Their refs aren't looking at a slow down spot like I know. we're at, right? That's the thing. So if it looks like it live, then yeah. that's probably what they saw. And but on the other one where, what's his name? 
freaking Matthew just yeah. grabs him in the end zone. Like, that is a clear penalty. Yeah. We call that 10 out of 10 times. That one was the penalty, the one in the end zone. Like, the Evans one, the bomb, seeing the replay, it's like, that was a feet tangle. It shouldn't have been called. It was just weird because normally feet tangle, both guys, like, fall down right there. But they both kind of kept their balance and then fell. But the other one where, was it? Evans went to run like the skinny post and Matthew just, Matthew just shoved him, him yeah. as the ball was being thrown. So he's like, it's uncatchable. It's like, well, you shoved him the other way. That's why it's uncatchable. Yeah, Maybe it should have been the illegal contact instead. I, but it's still a penalty. That's the thing. It was a penalty. Yeah. Should it have been put at the the what the one? Or was I it? thought it was put at the one. Yeah, because it was P.I. Yeah. I just didn't know if it was in the end zone yet or if it was at the spot of the foul. I just... But it should have been a penalty, and it's anywhere from the one to the six. Like, yeah. it's moving up there. I just... I have a hard time with it, because if that's how you play, I get what you're saying, right? You need to be consistent in what you call. Yeah, you can't just change it just because Brady's playing now. But I, I think what he's saying <laughs> is it needs to be the same on both sides. Sure, and I get that, but if you... Play with the technique, and Romo brought it up before the game even started, that the Chiefs get away with holding receivers, and if they did that in this game, it wasn't going to be good. And they were doing that the entire game. Yeah. But it also seemed like it was Tampa doing it a bit also, and you weren't seeing it happen. Like, there was a lot of guys climbing on Kelsey at 7 to 10 yards, and nothing's happening here. But the other thing is that Mahomes wasn't able to get rid of the ball by the time that those things were happening. You still can't climb on him. But that shouldn't matter if you're talking about you can't grab. No, if, that's holding. If he's I, getting to 10 yards. I understand that. What I'm saying to you, though, is the difference in that is Brady had the time to sit back and throw the ball as the grab was occurring. Yeah. The refs aren't necessarily looking for illegal contact 7 to 10 yards down the field when Mahomes is booting be. out running for his life. Well, they should be because not all the refs are supposed to be watching Mahomes. You and I Maybe that's the problem. Probably yeah. like, well, I want to see how he gets away from this one, so they're watching him. You talked about Brady having all that time to throw. We talked about Mahomes running around. Did you see the, I don't know if you call it, stat cast about their movement in the pocket? I didn't know. So Brady's looked like, like the pendulum on a clock. It was down, and then there was a circle. Like Brady never had to move. No. He had all the time in the world. Mahomes looked like a kid's drawing. Or was like, I'm going to do a line here. And then just all over the page. Like 500 yards versus probably five yards. Do you think Mahomes ran 100 times the distance that Brady did behind the line of scrimmage? Probably. 100 (laughs) times the distance. Think about how insane that is. It's probably got to be close. Right? That's got to be close. That's crazy. But it also goes back to game plan, too, and scheme. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Why didn't the Chiefs stick with running the ball? Oh, yeah. They should, they should have ran the ball more. Because Vita Vea would eat you? But No, they ran the good. The Chiefs were running yeah. good when they were handing it to Edwards Hilaire, right? Yeah, he had, yeah. he had nine for 64. Because the, he was doing good. The Bucks were but then there's like, yeah. Yeah, the Bucks yeah. were only rushing four, and they were dropping everybody back in coverage. It was allowing the run lanes to be there. They just gave up on running the ball, and I don't know why. Yeah, I... Especially when you know your defense is getting shredded. Yes. That's the other part of it. If your defense is in it, be aggressive. Yep. But and it's, they weren't down by what more than two scores till the end of the third, right? Yeah, and then it got out of hand. Well, no, because it was still even 24 to 9. Yeah. So it's still a two score game. 21 9. Yeah, they 
just at the end of the third. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. So it's so it's still a two score game. You I can run the ball. I don't get why teams do it. It's like they panic. Yeah. Give your defense time to get their breath. You guys are getting shredded. Try and stay out there. Break up Tampa's rhythm. Yep. Give the offense like that confidence to get into a rhythm. But no. They couldn't. Nope. Just a bad game to watch in general. Yeah. Like, it was still kind of an exciting game because it's the Chiefs. So even as they're down by a couple scores, it's like, oh, they're the Chiefs. They can come back. Like, last year in the Super Bowl, they only had 10 points through three quarters. Yeah, and I kept waiting for it. It never happened. It's like, oh, this sucks. This is dumb. <laughs> they just Sorry. really thought it was going to happen. But no, just never did. I don't. Did you expect Brady to have that good of a game? Thrown for was what did he throw for four hundred five yards or something? He had, he had two hundred yards. Yeah, what he some, didn't have that good of a game. Something no, the, I was listening to the, said Brady had four hundred some yards. And I, was like, I, I didn't think, seem I didn't right, think but the okay. Bucks had over four hundred yards total in that game. It was like three fifty to three forty. Oh yeah, Brady threw for two hundred one. Yeah, I don't know what the thing I was listening to said. It was also really loud where I was watching the game, so I could never hear stats <laughs> that were going on. No, it was all the run. Okay. The, yeah, 28 the, for 150. Yeah. yeah, that and the rest, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you hear the stat during the Super Bowl? One penalty in offense, and it's 30% more likely you're going to score that drive. Well, then the Chiefs or, defensive defense, coordinators. And then oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That wrong. And then if there's two, it's like 70%. Wow. That's insane. So kind of helps. Yeah. And the Chiefs set the record for most penalty yards and a half in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. Which I was also surprised no one had been over 100 and a half. Yeah, same here. <laughs> like a big PI, a couple holds, and then it like just, a block in the back. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, figure that. But no. Nine, nine for 95, I think is what it was. Yeah. Nine for 95 and like one for four. One for five. I think it was one for five. It was a, like an offsides on like the first play. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get that. Got to get it out of the way. <laughs> That's that's rough, but Brady started off with the touchdown to Gronk, and then the next touchdown was also to Gronk. Yep. And then he completed another pass to Gronk today. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just from yeah. boat to boat. And then, AB was the first receiver to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl in like three years. What? Yeah, no receiver had caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl in like three years since Philly won. Because it definitely didn't happen in the Rams-Patriots game. Because there's only one touchdown in that game. Yeah. And then last year... It was Kelsey had the touchdown receptions, if I recall. Uh, so did the running back had one. Yeah. Williams, right? Yeah. Because he had like 120 total yards and two touchdowns. Yep. I saw that this week and I was like, wow, that's freaking crazy. That is weird. <laughs> What's with all these weird wide receiver stats coming up lately? I don't know. That Texans guy, the new coach. Not the guy that'll be there for two years. Yeah. But Brady, or not Brady, Mahomes has a great start to career. There's one other player. Yeah. Same start. I saw that. Did you first, see that, Landon? First start, year starting quarterback, playoffs. Second year, Super Bowl. Third year, Super Bowl lost to Brady. Yep. Can you name the other quarterback? Super Bowl lost to Brady. 
you want to hint? Think of segues. Yes. <laughs> what have you been excited to talk about all week? Is it Russ? Yep. <laughs> Don't even compare the two. Get that out of here. No, it's the start. I know. The first three. Playoffs, Super Bowl, lost to Brady in the first three years. <laughs> which, which maybe hold the talk on Mahomes being the GOAT and expecting them to get to the Super Bowl every year. be the GOAT now. I know. I think, are you admitting that Brady's the GOAT now? Brady's the GOAT now. All right. Thank you, Landon. You're welcome. I'm glad it only took you four years longer than it should have to figure that out. Brady's the GOAT. And no one's ever going to reach that. Seven Super Bowls? No quarterback's ever going to reach that. Never say never. Unless they get rid of free agency, which they never will. No. There's way too much money in it. But then you got someone like, are they going to pull some weird Le'Veon Bell thing and go to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years (laughs) with different teams, not play a snap, and have two rings? So if you're a superstitious person and you sign him next year, like, oh, yeah, we're making it now. Yeah, so who's <laughs> Le'Veon Bell going to sign with? Who's the borderline no, not Super Bell. Bowl? McCoy. McCoy, or McCoy yeah, McCoy. sorry. Yeah. That's what I meant. Who's he going to sign with next year? <laughs> Saints. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they do need a quarterback. I don't know if he's going to help with that, though. Not yet. They need a quarterback who can throw more than 14 yards. <laughs> who can throw the ball farther? Cam Newton or Drew Brees? Cam. Using their throwing arm, not their opposite arm. Cam. That's a Cam. <laughs> yeah, accurately? No. Not yeah. at all. Neither. It'll Neither end up like way off accurately. <laughs> Anything else from the Super Bowl? Fournette was a beast. Literally every person that Brady wanted on that team were the main contributors in that game. Yeah. Fournette, Gronk, and AB. <laughs> Was that the thing that all the guys that Brady recruited were the only ones that scored touchdowns? Did Ronald Jones score one? No, he got stuffed yeah. on that fourth down play. And I think, yeah, I think that's Because right. Fournette had one, Gronk had two, and A.B. had one. Yeah. The, yeah. So the guys he brought there were the, the ones that scored yeah. the touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Arians had a great year. Oldest coach to ever win a Super Bowl. But maybe hold back on saying it's all him. Especially when he admitted that a lot of the times he's like, Brady, just... Go do your thing. I'm not going to coach you. I don't think you give him credit at all. It was some interesting things that Arians was saying about how he was giving Brady and Gronk like Wednesdays off. And it came out that they didn't know what that was like because they never got practice days off in New England. Yep. Which, come on, Belichick. I know you sold your soul to the devil, but give Gronk a day off. The dude can't walk during the week. (laughs) What? Am I wrong? No, you're right. <laughs> Anything else? It's going to be a long six months. Yeah, we got baseball. Baseball. It's going to be a long six it's months. It's better time of the year now. That's right. It's be a long six months. I'm going to cut your mic. You keep saying that. It's going to be a great six months. It's it's unless gonna... you become a Dodgers fan, it's going to be a long six months. I don't want to be a Dodgers fan. The Dodgers just wasted a bunch of money. The Dodgers are going to win again. They spend way too much on that bum. He'll so be there for a year. Bauer. For two. He'll be there two years. Two years. He's making $45 million the second year. He's not going anywhere. He ain't leaving. He's going to blow his arm out this year and be <laughs> oh, just goodness. set for the next two like years. I said one year. He still get paid. It's they baseball. They can avoid it, right? No, they no it's a one. player option. Oh. Okay, yeah, he'll be there two years. He's making two. So it's $40 million, 
45 million, 17 million. That way they kept the average annual value below what Garrett Cole made. It makes the players association happy. Well, no, it makes the owners happy, I guess, because that average annual value doesn't get raised up for further negotiations. <laughs> but he's not staying the third year, no. probably. The only way he stays the third year is if he's hurt or terrible. So he might stay. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a very overrated. I think I texted you, like, I wouldn't give him 20. I would give him 20. I would have given him, like, three for 60. I don't know if I'd give him that. I don't trust him. Because 20's not... When you look at what people get. <laughs> I know, but I yeah. I don't trust him at all. Though. No. But, so is he their third starter? Yes. Kershaw, Bueller. Maybe fourth. Bauer. And no, he'll start over Price. And then it's Price and Urias. Right? I think so. I think that's what I saw the other day. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. crazy. Urias, who was one of the top prospects in baseball, is your fifth starter. Yep. Yeah. He has trouble staying healthy, though. Yeah. He's also 22? Yeah, he's 23? still super young. <laughs> he's a baby. <laughs> Do the Dodgers break the record for wins? No. No. You don't think so? If there's 162 games this season. I think they're not going to do good. I don't think there's going to be 162 games. Kershaw's old. He's done. Bryce is old. He's done. I think it helps that Bauer's going to get hurt. They agreed on the seven-inning doubleheaders and guys on second to start extra innings again. Yeah, they keep it. Which I don't mind just because of the Rona stuff. I still don't know if they're going to get all 162 in. Yeah. I don't know. I know is they there st- even a start date? Yeah. It's normal start date. Oh. Nothing got pushed back. So pitchers and catchers report on the 17th. Spring training starts two weeks after that, right around the end of the month, beginning of March. Yep. And then the season starts, I want to say I saw April 2nd. Does that sound right? Yeah, because they probably won't do the international stuff to start, right? No, no. they're keeping everyone in state. Uh, yeah, that's definitely not it. Thanks. Baseball. When does baseball start? July 2020. Thanks, Google. What are you, Bing? Here we go. Key dates to know. Thanks for just not telling me the answer. There, Google's being as effective as the Chiefs O-line right now. Is Mike Remmers working yeah. for Google now? Oh. Since he won't have a career in the NFL. Games begin February 27th for spring training. And April Fool's Day, Thursday the 1st is when game starts. So seven weeks from tomorrow. I think is what it says. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Landon. I think we're saving baseball talk for next couple weeks. So we'll do predictions and Mariner stuff and prospects and all that. And Kraken talk. No, we're not doing Kraken talk. Talking Kraken. You know it's coming up. Maybe when they actually have the team here. Do you want to start? Have a roster. Do you want to start a podcast called called Talking Kraken? We should. Trademark it. Hurry. That wouldn't be too bad. (laughs) I'm sure there probably already is one. All right. So, come on, man. The report came out. The newest in the long line of stars not being happy with their teams. Russ. I mean, Sierra. I mean, Russell Wilson. You mean his agent. You mean his wife. <laughs> his agent. Because he's a baseball agent who likes to 
stir things up because he does it every year. Well, at least this time it was Russ. Saying Russ is things. the one saying it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Landon. <laughs> Just because it's coming out of his mouth doesn't mean he's saying it. Yeah, it's his wife. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's. I agree. It's his wife. I actually think it might be him a little bit. It is him, too. Because he's seeing what Brady's doing, how being much is, protected. How much is Brady making? This year? I don't know. Like 20. Not 35. Not 35, 40. You know what helps? When your wife is worth twice as much as you, so you don't have to care about money. You know what else helps? If you take team-friendly deals and not hog up the entire cap. He's made plenty because of money. Because your wife is making twice as much money as you. I think they all make enough money. If he wants to win. Yeah. But a big part of that is it's not really up to the players usually. It is. Well, the agents and the players association will like not let them take small deals a lot of the time. Because it's better for the owners and then they can offer less to other players. So that's a big part of it. I, if Russ wanted to, he didn't have to take that deal. Yeah. But we might as well get to what Russ said. And it's that he's tired of not being protected. Right? And he's correct. Was, was exploring possibilities and he's sure that there's been conversations about it. Which everyone knows that there has been all the way to the time that Mayfield was drafted. Yep. So Russ has, was it, was it two years left? Is two that, years left yeah. on his deal. He's got two years left on his deal. Gosh, I even told you the amount, What didn't I? Around 60? No. It's like 70. Is it 70? Yeah, he gets, what, 35 a year about? His, it was I a think, I think four right year. What was it, four years, 140? Yeah. Four for 140, $65 million signing bonus. He signed that. Back in 2019, so he's halfway done with it. He's 32, and he has, yeah, two for 76 left. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's a lot of money, especially with teams having lower caps going forward. Because instead of that number being at like 210, it's going to be, what, 176 or 180, something like 181, that? 181, I think is, is what that about what it's going to be. So it wasn't as low as people thought it was going to be? About, what, five, eight million dollars higher? Yeah. So it's still pretty low, though. Yeah. So Russ is making about 20% of the salary cap. By himself, yeah. Yeah. So do you think Russ is serious? We'll start with that. Do you think he's serious about wanting out? No. You don't think so? I don't think he was serious last time either when he was going to the Jets and all in L.A. and all the other places. Trying to get his new contract. Yeah. Do you I, think he's serious? You know my opinion on this. Yes, I do think he's serious. Of course I know your opinion. That's not who we're talking to here. We're talking to the listeners. Yes, he is serious. I think he's serious too, and I think it's because of what I said about seeing Brady, being able to play for so long, being healthy, because he has a line protecting him. He wants to extend his career. I think it's more than that. So that leads to why do you think he wants out? This will piss off a lot of Hawks fans that listen to this, but Russell is very brand oriented. Yeah. Like you ask anyone who works for the team, you ask anyone that does talk radio down in Seattle for the Hawks, they will all admit it. Russell is about his brand opposed to opposed to team. 
And that's not to say that he doesn't do like good things for the team or anything like that. But I know I told you this, but for people that have forgotten, in 2018, after his wife came out and said, we'd really like to be in New York, he magically had his baseball rights traded to the Yankees. And I've been saying since then, he wants to be in New York because where are you going to increase your brand? The biggest market. Way more in New York than you are in Seattle, as much as he does for Alaska Airlines. Okay, you can go play for the Jets. See how well he does there. So that'll really increase his brand. Well, it will because you're a QB in a freaking huge market, so you're going to get way more marketing deals. Yeah. And yeah, Sam Darnold. Well, no, Russell's a bigger NFL persona than Sam Darnold is. Landon's not talking about is it going to be better for his performance on the field. He's talking about straight brand management, uh, people seeing you, and the kind of money you're able to bring in off the field. Yeah, but you only get that for what one, two years in New York. No, in New York he gets it as long as he's there. Yeah, yeah. So one, two years. If he gets traded to New York, it's going to be where he wants to go. Yeah, but he's not going to do good there. You don't know that though. So here's. (laughs) I think I do. So their O line's already better than Seattle's. Yeah, but the rest of their team's garbage. They also have the cap space to spend to make that team better that the Hawks don't. All right, you trust that team. And he also, Chris and I were talking about this, not sure how serious the relationship is, but he, Sala was a Seahawks assistant for a couple of years while he was there. The new Jets coach. So, I mean, if you're the Hawks and the Jets call and say, we'll give you Darnold and the number two pick so you can draft your new franchise guy. No. And you clear off, and you clear off that much cap space. Except for you're gonna have a big hit in cap. What's his? Do you know what his? Dead cap I don't, number but is? I know it's gonna be high because he's making thirty-five uh, million. Twenty-six is what it says. Dead cap. So you save about what nine? Uh, so he's got thirteen million signing bonus each year and five million dollar roster bonus each year. Does Seattle have to pay all of that if they trade him? Do they only have to pay no, signing bonus? They would pay signing bonus. Okay, so it's $26 million. So it would be, essentially, you're sending Russ and taking 26 of his deal. Yeah. Which, at the same time, with the Jets' cap space, you could also negotiate them doing stuff behind the scenes, like giving you money to pay towards that dead cap. You need to give up a lot. I don't think you can do that in the NFL. If Stafford in got NFL, you two you first-round picks... Report it. What's that? If Stafford gets you two first-round well, picks... Well, Stafford didn't get you two first-round picks. There was a first-round pick attached to that to take Goff. Because yeah. of his terrible they contract. should take on Darnold and then they have to flip the first round because he's garbage. <laughs> Except his salary isn't that big of a deal. No, but he's still garbage. <laughs> the other thing is that if you watch... If you watch Russ, like, and everyone, everyone in Seattle is freaking out about it. I don't know. The timing on that is odd for him to come out and say what he's saying because you literally just hired a new offensive coordinator and you just brought in a new offensive line coach. And now you're bashing your teammates, which is essentially what he's doing. He is bashing his teammates that they cannot block him. Or for him. Yeah, he's, he's saying all this so they can so they'll try to bring in some people but and spend money. Since I don't they're think like, they well, can. Does that? No, they have, to, they have to get rid of like Wagner and 
they'd have to make big changes yeah. to clear up money. Do but, you think that the relationship, though, with Carol now is starting to become frayed? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it is because I could see that last year, right? You brought up that they've been saying this stuff for three years. Last year, it was you guys need to let Russ cook, or we're going to start to look elsewhere, maybe for a trade. They let Russ cook; he did good for half a year, and then you realized he's not Aaron Rodgers, and you're paying him thirty five million dollars a year. Yeah. So, is your quarterback that you're keeping, who? Does really good always at the beginning of the first half of the year and then just completely falls apart second half of the year. Is he worth $35 million? No, I don't think any quarterback is. We don't want to yeah. get into that conversation. <laughs> we don't want to get but, <laughs> but, that's, It's never going to change. But it's, no, it's, it's not going to change. So it doesn't really matter. But it's, it's, it's a serious question to ask, right? Like, he doesn't put up Rodgers numbers. He doesn't put up Big Ben numbers. He's not putting up. He's really. This was the best year, what? Of his career, passing wise, uh, maybe because he also had what the most interceptions of his career or something, Be- most turnovers of his career, and and the other thing is is that he's complaining about it. But if you go back and you look, I'm gonna say that the majority of the sacks are Russ's own fault because he doesn't know how to read the field. He holds onto the ball waiting for the big play to develop down the field every single time. Yeah, I think a lot of his are yeah brought on by himself, but. The line also hasn't been good, so yeah. I th- it kind of balances. And it's not like the Hawks haven't invested in the O-line. It's just they've missed. Yeah. I right? think it's fed into itself where every year he's had to scramble more and more, which leads to him looking for that big play, which leads him to now that's what he does from the start is scramble and look big, even though he might not have to. And, I mean, there, there was talk after Schottenheimer got fired. I thought they were going to keep him for another year, but apparently not. Um, that because of the differences, Pete was part of the reason why the offense regressed the second half of the year. Because Pete's very run-oriented. And I, apparently Pete would... Pete would, I guess, stick his, you know, dip his toes in. And then... That is where the disconnect was happening. Is Pete would overrule the calls on the field that Schottenheimer and Russell wanted to do, and Pete would go and say, "No, I don't want to do that. Do this." And it seems like that never works anywhere, ever. Nope. Have your role defined. Unless it's obviously not working, then you get rid of the guy straight up. Don't have a change and keep the guy because then he's useless. Which, People aren't going to listen to him in meetings. They're not going to listen to him on the field, and no one's going to respect him. Which is why when the offensive coordinator thing came up, right, and they were like, oh, Doug Peterson. I'm like, you think Doug Peterson's going to listen to Pete Carroll and what he wants to do for the offense? Why would you want Doug Peterson? He's shown that he's not good. It was all Frank Reich. But they hired the Rams' passing game coordinator. So you want to run the ball, but you don't hire a running back or an offensive coordinator with any running back experience or running game coordinator. You hire a passing game coordinator? From a team... Who who's, passes the ball more than they run? Whose head coach runs that offense? Okay, this will work well for about a year, and then Russ will be wanting that again. So here's the other thing, though. You mentioned to the Jets for Darnold in the second, taking your franchise player. I'm assuming when you say franchise player, you mean franchise quarterback? Yeah. So are you doing a three-team trade? Are you doing a second trade to get rid of Darnold? Or are you doing a second trade to move out of that number two spot? No, you use the number two spot and you draft who you think is the best QB. 
So do you get rid of Darnold? You keep him, because depending on who you take, I mean, for me, um, I have Wilson, Zach Wilson from BYU is the second best QB in the draft. A lot of people have Justin Fields. If it's Fields coming out, we've seen the history with Ohio State QBs. I would keep They're Darnold. terrible. I would keep Darnold to mentor Fields for a year. Oh, why Dude. would you even take Darnold? Maybe you think he's good. Maybe there's a USC thing. Carol's from USC. Darnold's a USC guy. Maybe he thinks some connection there. You could think that last year was the fluke, and then it's going to be more like 2019, where Darnold was seven and six as a starter, six and six as a starter, something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's arguments to be made on both sides. You know, 2019 Darnold looked fine. Last year he looked bad. Which. But- to defend that, though, Gase did come out and say, for Gase supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, right, that he didn't take the time to even develop him. So you're going to a coach who does develop QBs. you got to give Pete Carroll that. He spends a lot of time, spent a lot of time helping develop Russ to the point that it broke his defense apart because he was babying Russ opposed to the things that he was doing for them. And I think that could be part of it with Darnold last year is that Gase was like the worst coach in the NFL. Like it's not a good situation. He didn't want want to be there at all. So Darnold would have, just say this happens. Russ gets shipped out. You get the two and Darnold. Darnold only has a year left. So are you keeping him, letting him play a year, and then he walks, and you hope he signs and you get a third-round pick? Are you, could. are you just trading him right away and hoping that you get a second or a third round pick for him? I think if they were to do that, depending on who they took at number two, obviously, um, if they did draft a young QB, say Darnold excels really well, then you have a young QB. You can arguably with the number two pick, you can turn around and trade him a year later for a first round pick. That's something you guys don't have because you gave it all up to Jamal Adams. <laughs> That's right. So I go too first you have for that no, dummy. You have no cap space, really. Yeah. And you have no draft capital. So who are you going to? So what are you going to do? Yeah. You've got to make some moves, and you're either going to gut your defense or you're going to trade Russell, who's making way more money than he should be, when he doesn't really want to be there. Yeah. Do you think this will, if Russ stays... Do you think it will have a large effect on his relationship with his teammates in a negative manner? Or do you think because it was done so early in the offseason, because we're still, what, two and a half months out from the draft even, that if he's still there by the time the season starts, it's all going to be water under the bridge and no one's going to care? If I'm an offensive lineman and you're openly publicly criticizing that I can't block for you, I'm taking that personally. But they should. Exactly. Exactly. Are they going to take it personally because they should because they suck? I mean, this isn't like Brady telling Ryan Jensen that he sucks or he's one of the best centers in football. Like, that wouldn't make sense. No. But But this is, hey, you guys suck. I was like, well, yeah, look at our film. Like, we'd be better served being at the subway in New York as a turnstile. But we suck, but you still are relying on us to block for you. Yeah. So if you're going to tell me that I suck, I'm less inclined to now try to block for you even more. (laughs) Yeah. Well, then it'll go away, <laughs> and they won't have a job. It's pretty simple. I mean, they still have jobs now. Well, not one of them. They let one go. Yeah, I don't want to get into that one. That's a whole no, entire different, different guy. Oh, a different guy? Yeah. Who was the other guy? Um, Warmack. Warmack? Is he on that team? 
I don't remember. Chance Chance Wormack? The dude from Bama? Like a yeah, guy. Chance Wormack. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the other guys. Like, no, nope, that was no, no, I no. don't bring him up. All right. But, yeah. Which, that could have been the mulligan with how the Seahawks handled that. That was embarrassing. But I'm not sure I'm not. Did they just cut him? They cut him, but then when they were asked about it, like... They gave the typical PR response. They gave, like, a yeah, typical, but not supportive of yeah. what happened at all but that's response. A, that's, yeah. a entire, that's an yeah. entirely different conversation. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I do. I think Russell get moved. No, that was going to be the next question. I don't think that he does. It's what are the chances in your mind that Russ gets moved? What percentage? 40. Zero. Not at all. Because I, there are teams calling. Yeah. And I have a feeling I know one of those teams that are calling. It's the New York teams. Well, I also think the Panthers are calling since they have John Schneider's right hand man as their new GM. I think it's probably in the like the low twenty percentage, like a one in five type. But hypothetical, wh- really quick. Alex, say you're John Schneider and the Jets call you up and go, "We'll give you Darnold the number two and number twenty three picks this year. Do you trade Russell?" Probably more than that because Darnold's basically useless in my view. Jamal Adams got two first round picks. Franchise yeah. quarterback needs more than two first round picks. But it's also the salary involved with it. The fact that it's the number two pick. That's a big part of it. You get not you, you get the first rounder back that you gave up for Jamal Adams and the number two pick. That's the thing. The difference between the number two pick and the number twenty three pick is enormous. Yeah, yeah, but there's a big difference between the safety and the franchise quarterback. Yeah. Which is where like the number two pick. Like the number two pick is what worth in draft value like six times as much as those two firsts that they got for oh, I know, but I still want more. So that was going to be the question. What would it take for you, Alex, to take a trade for Russell Wilson? I don't know. I'd like, have to see what they... Like the I'd number, have to actually look at their team and what they have for draft. So like the number two, the number 23, and another for like a third? Another first? It would be a lot. So it sounds like so you want you think you're thinking to like Deshaun kind of trade where teams want like three first rounders and two young defensive guys to go for him. I don't know about that far, but <laughs> it'll it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, I don't think it's that much. I I take issue with the number two and Darnold if you're gonna draft a quarterback, because then you're either wasting a year of that young quarterback or just taking Darnold, letting him play and then letting him leave. Where you seems like you could get more for Darnold trading him right away. You could probably get like a second rounder for Darnold, maybe a third, but then you're getting it right away instead of waiting all the way until next year to get the compensatory pick. But I mean, that's not to say that they don't trade Darnold either, because yeah. there are teams calling to inquire about Darnold from the Jets right now, yeah. too. So just because you trade Russell for him doesn't mean that you have to stand pat with him, right? You could trade him, too. I think what I would probably do is if you if Carroll believes in Darnold, you're trading for Darnold and the two, you're taking that two and trading it down to like the sixth and getting two seconds with it or some other picks to build your team up again because you're going to need to replace a lot of people because you're in salary cap trouble. I think it really depends on the if they like any of the QBs in the draft this yeah. year, right? Maybe they get lucky and dumb, dumb down in Jacksonville takes Justin Fields with the number one pick. 
Yeah, that, in that case, no, keep Russ. I don't want freaking to listen to more Hawks fans on a franchise QB for the next ten years. I do not want. It'd be miserable if they got Trevor Lawrence, in Seattle. Alex would be good with that. It's just when we need a sunshine in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah right. I don't want to. I don't want to hear you two complain either. So. <laughs> I hear enough of the Panthers over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so is anything else you guys want to talk about before we finish the episode that's not Kraken or Mike Zanino related? All right, I just took Landon's no, top no, two topics no, off I mean, the table. That's, that's all I had. Alex, you got anything? I don't know. Chris Sale? Nice. Uh, <laughs> make sure to head to Patreon or Anchor Late Night Shots to check us out, find our episodes, support us. we got a bunch of different tiers on Patreon. If you want to help us out from getting on the show to having a segment named or just throwing some money our way if you like what we do. Uh, new episodes go up. Usually it's going to be early on in the week going forward after this week, I think is the plan. Like Mondays, new episodes will come out. Should be a little different. Baseball, basketball, whatever's going on in the world of sports. So make sure and check out Late Night Shots Online for all our latest news. What do you got, Alex? Anything? Nothing. Nothing? I got nothing. Just like the Chiefs O-Line.